HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comté-usa.com. That's c-o-m-t-e-usa.com. This week on Meet and 3, we rethink surplus by exploring how innovators are promoting sharing mindsets and responding to excess in creative ways. The whole life cycle of food would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter behind China and the United States if it were a country. You know, in the age of COVID, where a lot of those institutional processors did grind to a halt and a lot of farms had to dump milk in Pennsylvania, even while supermarket cases were, were bare, the organic market stayed strong. They source all of these ingredients, they do all of this work, and then they just boil it for a few minutes and then they throw it away. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Kara Warren. And today on the show, we have Jennifer Dresga. She is the owner of Epicure Foods Corps, located in Flanders, New Jersey, and operated since 1971. Uh, today, we have Jen on the show to celebrate their 50th anniversary. Jen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Kara. I appreciate you having us. For me, I should say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I was like, oh, 50th anniversary. I mean, like, as I was like reading through your materials this year, I was like, Wow, that is a real long period of time. I'm not sure many other importer or distributors have that mark. Um, so kudos to you for that. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, no, it is. It's quite a milestone. So um, we're quite excited. I have to say where it's kind of a little bit of some irony in there because I'm literally a year and a half away from being 50. So how ironic is that? Oh, man. <laughs> I thought so it was you... kind of funny if I was turning 50 when I was 50. Yeah, so you lived and breathed Epicure Foods your entire life. Your your dad started the company. Uh, how does it feel to be a part of uh, the industry for that long? Um, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, we you know we grew up in eating cheese. I think I was kind of joking the other day with someone, but um, we always had Lurpak Danish butter and Leerdamer cheese on our table. Um, along with Havarti. So, um, you know, many times as a kid growing up, our breakfast was toast and Havarti. 
and um, Christmas time would come along and our gifts were not red apples to the teachers, but they were actually uh, the four pound Eden balls. <laughs> so, oh, wow. <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's really cool. I have to say, um, you know, speaking, it's, it's very rewarding to see, um, you know, how things evolved and um, it's just, it really is exciting. I, I love it. I love it. That's so cool. I mean, so I feel like Epicure Foods is one of these distributors in New York City, New Jersey area. Um, but actually, I shouldn't even say that. How far does the Epicure Foods uh, logistics reach, actually? Like, do you serve the entire country now, or is it predominantly the East Coast? Uh, generally, everybody kind of thinks we're on the East Coast only, um, being East Coast based. Um, but we are a national distributor. We service all over the place. Uh, we even have uh, a great customer in the Bahamas, so I can't wait till we can go visit him. But uh, you know, um, you know, we started out quite small. We've grown over the years very safely, very cautiously. Um, but we are we're national. We service a lot of. Uh, great customers in, in all key areas. You know, you have Texas, California, Colorado, um, Chicago, everywhere. So it's, it's you know, people don't realize how far we really do reach, um, you know, the entire United States. Oh, my goodness. And is that something that you personally worked on to figure out logistics on? Because I can't imagine learning that. <laughs> but how did you get to learn that? Is it just by existing at Epicure or... You know, I have to laugh because <laughs> the thing I hate the most in this company would be logistics. Um, but that being said, um, no, logistics is not fun at all. I think it's it's one of the, especially to be honest, during COVID, it's been one of the hardest things and the biggest challenges um, in this industry, um, or for that matter, in food for anybody in the food industry. Um, you know, whether you're using common carriers, your own trucks. Um, you know, if sending cargo by plane, which is, um, you know, people fly stuff from California here and back. It's, uh, it's a challenge. Um, and just when you think you have it down to a science, then, you know, something happens and you're starting all over again, trying to find out, you know, new ways or, or, and even to be fair, cutting costs, you know, transportation can be costly depending, you know, what, what avenues, you know, you go. So it's, it's, it's a challenge. Uh, there's really no way to nail it besides that. Um, it's, it's not fun. I will say that, but, uh, and I don't think anybody's very good at it, but I think we all try to do the best at it. Um, it's, I don't really have a good word for you. I don't like logistics. That's all I can say. <laughs> but you but, do, um, but you do a very good job at it. That's the, that's the part that I know you don't like it, but I feel like you, like when I've talked to you about importing goods or doing any sort of logistical work, you very much have broken it down level by level, tariff, duty, X, Y, Z margin, and been very transparent. Uh, and it, that's hard to find. And I think, um, I'm just, I am amazed at how well you do it. So kudos. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and also Epicure has, um, now I don't know to the listeners out there if they know exactly, but um, you have a cheese and butter license. Can you explain what that does for Epicure Foods? Um, so licenses are kind of unique. Um, not everybody has them. Um, really, the benefit is it strengthens our position in the market. Uh, especially in terms of purchasing um, and our cost of goods. So, um, you know, they're not easily obtainable uh, nowadays. You know, most people, they've had it for years. It was a historical 
um, ownership that they have. Uh, you're able to get licenses um, through the USDA, but on a lottery basis. So every year we have to do an application. We have to qualify. The, the application is very, um, it's not an easy application and there's a lot of rules and uh, you know to follow and guidelines and whatnot and if you don't have one component correctly then you know it, it can throw off your entire application because it's literally based putting this in short term but you have to qualify for so many things per quarter um so if you mess up on one quarter you're done you gotta wait till next year to do the lottery application again so oh, wow. um licenses are tough yeah there's also requirements for usage um so you know some years you know, there, there's plenty license. Some years there's not enough license at all. Um, so, and then if you don't use all your license, you can get in trouble and penalized as well and lose your licenses. So there's a lot of factors involved. Um, it's not, a, it's not a, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds, I should say, but, um, we we're fortunate. We have some, uh, we have a very nice portfolio. And again, those, uh, do enable us to bring in some product. It enables us to have a better position in the market, um, and bring these cool cheeses in that we do. So and butters that, too, and of course and of course butter. Um, uh, so I I wasn't sure. Does so the licenses? It sounds like you're reapplying every year. It, is it also grandfathered in from when your father set up the company, or no, not at all? He owned licenses historical. So when we took over, we maintained that ownership. Um, so you know you can lose them. It's quite easy. Like I said, if you don't qualify, um, the only way really right now. Um, I'd probably say if we went back in the day, my father had bought a company out. Oh, gosh, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it. Um, I want to say Cheese of All Nations, if I'm right. But um, he had uh, there was a company that had owned a lot of licenses and it was up for bid, and he had bid. Uh, it was an or auction, I guess. But anyway, he won uh, the bid and took over ownership. So which means he got all the historical licenses. So um, smart guy. You know, it's uh, it's it's. Yeah, there's a lot more stories to it. Um, I always say my father should have written a book. Uh, it would have been a really interesting book. <laughs> um, a lot of uh, the industry is very different back then than it is today. He was. Um, so were you guys a part of the dairy district in lower Manhattan by the meat district or was it always in New Jersey? Um, no, he well, to be honest with you, when we first started, uh, you know, he used to go and pick up his cheese in a station wagon and then, um, he would make deliveries to the store. So he didn't really have, um, he would use public warehousing eventually. Uh, I think he, if I'm correct, he went out on long Island. Um, you know, there was very few places where he can, but you know, he was small. I mean, when his first cheese that he imported was Gouda Havarti and then his legacy, uh, import, uh, back in the day, he controlled and imported Leerdamer cheese originally. That was his exclusive which kind of put him on the map. Oh, wow. Wow. And then you came into the company at what age, can you say? Or were you just like always, always there? Yeah, well, we were always, always there. But um, I think um, my interest started after high school. Um, I started working with him part-time during college. Uh, and I liked it. I thought it was really cool. Um, I asked if I could start working in the warehouse, but he didn't, he wouldn't let me. So... <laughs> <laughs> he said I had to work in the office. So, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we all, we're, we were all there at one point. I have a brother and a sister as well. Um, and, um, you know, we all had our moments of, you know, working and, you know, bringing new things to the table for the company. And, uh, how many, how many, how big is the company? How many sales reps do you guys have? Uh, currently we have four, 14 sales reps right now. Um, we, 
be fair, we believe in a slow growth. Um, I don't like to grow too quickly. I think a lot of people lose control. Um, you know, it, managing operations is really important. And once you lose, you start to lose control too quickly, things just kind of flare out and, and, and then you don't know what's going on. But um, I think I'm jumping the gun a little bit. But in terms of staff and salespeople, uh, you know, we have a good team here. We really do. Um, I I'm just very proud of the people that we have working here. Um, we have a lot of people that have been here a long time, many, many, many years. They've invested a lot of time um, and energy into building the company uh, to the level that we need to be at in this day and age to compete against some of the big guys and the small ones still too. So, but, um, but good salespeople, 14 now, um, probably mostly based on the East coast. Um, we, you know, again, we service nationally, but a lot of the national distribution we do is through other distributors. So we believe in educating and kind of teaching their teams, um, so they can go out and, and, uh, you know, help support some of our items. I think that's a really good I think point. I straight from that question. No, no, you did. A, you did a great job. I, Cause I, I feel like that's something that not everyone understands when it comes to buying is that you are one of the importers that can import directly from Europe because of the licensing, and that allows you to sell to the regional distributors. So I think if someone is lucky enough to be, um, well, since you service the entire nation now, if they know you, they can really get good pricing, um, you know, if they if they can get the logistics right, you know. Um, so I actually wanted to ask you, what is the best way for a cheese shop or, say, a new product to get in touch with you? Because I feel like sometimes the system is so large and people don't know where to start. So um, if someone was interested in Epicure Foods, what is the best way for them to reach you? Um, I, there's all kinds of ways. Uh, I mean, we a lot of times a lot of our business comes from referrals uh, from other customers that we've had that are happy and they recommend us. Uh, social media is your huge now. Um, I'm probably going to say I'm an old fart when it comes to that. But uh, <laughs> I kind of stay away from that stuff. Um, well, I don't stay away from it. I'm in it, but I, it's not as, you know, you watch these millennials come in today and, and they're doing everything and anything on these, you know, phones, computers, laptops, and they're quite impressive. Cause, uh, I feel like I have caveman fingers, you know, but, oh, um, no. uh, you know, <laughs> but, um, no, we have, uh, you know, we reach out business in all different avenues. You know, we get requests through the websites, we get them through the social media sites. Um, we cold call. Um, you know, whatever it is that we need to do and try to build, you know, our company um, and provide, you know, great product for, you know, great customers. And it's it, we're kind of saddened sometimes when we can't supply somebody or get product to them. Um, it's hard. You know, we want to get it to everybody and anybody. But again, we'll go back to that horrible logistics thing. Um, mm -hmm. It's sometimes it's trying to figure out the best way to get the product to the customer um, or in the end user consumer. We get consumer requests all the time. Um, through our, uh, you know, through our website or through our suppliers forwarding to us saying, you know, they want our cheese, you know, where can they get it, you know? Right. So, uh, so, so even for a new cheese producer, like someone either in Europe or in the States, they, they just have to find Epicure Foods and contact you somehow, I guess it's through email or through social media and, and oh, there's yeah. a chance, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and anyway, they call all day long. I had a, a quick, uh, <laughs> Spanish this morning because I got a call and they just started rambling off and I was actually quite happy that I understood about 90% of the call. So, um, you know, and, and any, anyway is great. Yeah, no, I, that, I, cause it's I always, we always need something new, I feel like. So 
I'm, I'm glad they're finding you. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a lot easier, what, a year ago before COVID when we had the shows. Um, you know, that was always a, a, a really good um, way to, you know, source new product, look for new products because we could travel and attend these shows and see what's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these suppliers or, as you call them, these organizations, um, they also set up all these kind of uh, programs where you can travel and visit, you know, facilities, farms, you know, dairies and all that. So, but unfortunately, again, with COVID, a lot of that's been on a standstill for now. So um, yeah. it'd be nice to see it come back in about, hopefully maybe in a year, right? They say yeah. they're going to do shows this year, but uh, I think that's, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see what happens. I, I totally agree. I, um, yeah. No, I actually, so I have a question about, it's an opinion question, Jen, so careful here, um, is I wanted to ask um, you, well, is, well, is, is it okay to show an entire catalog online? Some distributors seem to hide the catalogs. And, and why do you think that is, um, you know, is it okay? And why do you think that is? Personally, I don't think there's any reason not to put your catalog on online. Um, we don't have anything to hide. Uh, we stand b- behind what we do and what we supply. Um, you know, really, I don't know why others feel that it's not something they can show. I, you know, the, the bottom line is, is what's our main tool right now, I think, is, is you know, technology. We have these computers, these laptops, social media. How does everybody look for things? We research on the Internet constantly, and we're looking for, you know, wh- what to do and how to do it and, and spending all day on these computers. So... Uh, me personally, I think it's a benefit to show our catalog online. People need to see what we carry and and what's unique that we have, you know, what's boring that we might have. Um, and, and how do we stand out from others? Uh, you know, looking at, um, you know, you go to someone's website, you want to see what's what they have and what they do and what's really unique and cool about them. And the more information I think that we put on there, the more it educates um, anybody, consumers, other, you know, supermarket buyers, anybody. So um, I guess that kind of goes down to that lovely word called education that I thought I finished years ago. (laughs) But, um, you know, it's the information that we put out there helps educate um, and anybody, really. I mean, how many times do you Google something and you come up to a competitor's website or you come up to, you know, um, like what's this new trend that's out there? These cheese plates. I saw somebody the other day do a cheese board in a, um, like a jar. I forget what, like those little, like, uh, just a jar, like where you would put jams and stuff in there. And it was really, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Um, and it was a really neat concept. So, um, I, you know, personally, I, I have no problem showing the catalog. We've put all our stuff on our, on our website. We do need to improve our website a little bit more, which we're working on. Um, I, I feel it's definitely outdated, but, uh, but that being said, we have an amazing marketing team here. They're, um, really great ideas, cool things. They got neat concepts. Um, they really have, uh, they're really good. They're foodies, which is nice. Um, so we're, we're, we're going to improve on that level as well for Epicure. No, oh, that's great. I mean, I, I think absolutely I agree with you. Everything should be online. Uh, there, people are missing sales opportunities, exactly like, like what you said. So, um, uh, so actually, we're going to take a very quick break here, everyone. Uh, I'm Karen Warren. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, and we will be right back with uh, Jennifer Dresga of Epicure Foods. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. 
Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conté is unique. Learn more about Conté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conté-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E hyphen U-S-A dot com. Okay, welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Cutting the Curd with Kara Warren. I have Jennifer Dresga of Epicure Foods on, and we are just about to talk about private labeling. Um, I think it's pretty important. Um, but maybe I'm biased. I don't know. Uh, but Jen, I was curious, how important to you is it to have a private label and, and what are the benefits to you as an importer? Uh, I think it's important. Um, I think it, it shows, I think it shows, well, it's like a me. look, look at your private label. Um, you guys spent a lot of time, um, investing in, into your new image. And I think it was an amazing job. It's well done. It's not easy to change your image after years and years. Um, for Epicure, uh, it enables us to control product. Um, we can kind of uh, show the world. They can identify with our quality that we pick. Um, and it's just, it, 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 I think it just gives us a little, you know, independence from other people. It's, it, you know, we try to put private labels on product that we feel has a quality that we can offer to the consumers along with a price point. Um, that's really, really important to us. Um, and we really, we don't want to ever compromise on that. And we wouldn't private label something if we didn't feel that we could stand behind it. Absolutely. No, it, it's, and I'm curious, what do you think your dad would think of Epicure today and the private label work that you guys have done? Uh, I, I think he would, he's ecstatic. I mean, he actually started his first private label on Brie, um, our Brie Demirs after him. He thought it was funny. All he did was put a Exante goo between his two, the D and the A and, and said, now it looks French instead of Croatian. So, <laughs> um, uh, I, I think he would, yeah. Yeah. I think he would be very, very proud, um, you know, to walk away and know that, uh, you know, that, that, the company that he started, you know, has more than just one brand when he left. So. Yeah. Oh, that's a great story. I had no idea. I should have put the two together that his name. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't see it right away, but now that you, you say it because, you know, diving into his history a little bit, I was, I was looking up on your website. He, he grew up in Yugoslavia during the second world war. And then he, he basically, he immigrated from Croatia, but he had to really hustle to get things going, to get out of Europe, to come over to the States and start Epicure Foods. I mean, I think his story could practically be a movie when you look at it. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, it would be a fun movie to watch. A lot of cursing though, too. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard I've heard he was a uh, he he was that type. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, yeah, he he has no filter either. <laughs> that's good though. I think that's what you need in the importing business. It's a tough and rough business. Um, although it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of classed up in the last decade a little bit. Um, for example, you guys have a new warehouse now. Um, you used to be in Elizabeth, New Jersey, but now you're in Flanders, New Jersey. Uh, having a new warehouse, how, how does that affect your business? Has it become easier? What do you think? Uh, it's been amazing. Um, I think it's the best thing that Epicure has ever done. Um, it, it's really enabled us to be more efficient as a company. We're able to change a lot of procedures. We're able to improve in procedures. Uh, you know, I, look, I can sleep here 24 seven. If I want to come here at two in the morning, I can come here at two in the morning. We have full control over our operations and, and what we need to do. I mean, if I have to come in on a Saturday and unload a container at 8am in the morning, I'm not happy about it. And I might be in my pajamas, but I'll do it. (laughs) So, but, um, it's, it's been, um, tremendous for Epicure in terms of, um, healthy growth. Uh, and it just, I, it was, I wish we would have done it 10 years ago if we could have. Wow. That's a big statement. Um, and do you feel like warehouse technology, I'm sure you had to learn a lot about outfitting the warehouse. How, how what is like one of the new cool things in a warehouse that you were like, Oh, this has made my life so much better. Um, so, you know, warehousing, that's like a whole anomaly. That's a whole nother world of technology for people. And, you know, there's, there's warehouses today that are so automated, but, you know, you can go into an Amazon and it's just what they do is amazing there. You know, they have handheld devices and do all these things. Um, You know, we set our warehouse up to, you know, pick and pack orders properly. Um, You you know, us going into a facility of 10,000 square feet into almost, you know, what are we about? 35,000 square feet. I mean, it was just night and day. We almost didn't even know what to do with the space. I mean, I, you know, be honest, we have a little scooter in the warehouse and I just drove the scooter around and had fun one day in the warehouse. (laughs) It was like a stress reliever, (laughs) but, um, it's, uh, it, you know, I don't don't even really know how to answer. It's just, um, warehousing is, it's interesting. It's just, you know, it's trying to, you know, you, it's kind of, you, you do, you make mistakes and then you learn from them and then you improve upon them and then you do things better. And every time we feel like we have something down to a science, we come up with another way to do it. And it just, it only gets better and better. So, um, you know, again, we just, we have so much space to work with now. Um, you know, our goal is just to continue filling up the warehouse, putting, you know, getting new lines in there and just in, improving in what we do. Um, you know, it's just nice that coming to this facility because we have the time and the space and, and the staff too. I mean, we're able to employ people we're able to run different shifts. We're able to run weekend shifts, um, and just kind of manage things and, and just do a better job overall. Um, you know, warehousing, uh, it, it's, I think it's fun personally. I, I, you, I'll go out there. I pick orders. I drive the machines. Um, you know, I give me a chance. I love it. I think it's great to go out there. Um, you know, it's fun. We have our own building. If we need to go check, you know, a, a shipment, we need to do spot checks on quality or whatever. You just walk right out there, you go to your location and boom, it's right there. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think you have way more control now. The facility, when I went to visit it is massive. 
Um, and it's it's very clean. I don't feel like you have great lighting. Um, there's so much going on there that um, if the listeners have ever seen a cheese warehouse, I guess they haven't. It's just many, many pallets stacked really, really, really high. But I think there's there's so much coordination going on. You're right between the pickers and and everything that's going there that you need to um, have systems that are not uh, like ticket. They used to be written tickets, I'm sure, at one point. I mean, now the, that everything's electronic or can be sent through Wi-Fi, I'm sure. I mean, you've really seen the industry evolve. Um, I mean, it's night and day, I'm sure, right? Sure. Um, to be fair, uh, Kara, we still are a bit traditional in our ways um, and we do do things by paper. Um, I would love to say that we're using handhelds and barcodes and all that, but we're not set up that way. Um, but I would say one of the things, and I have to say, I'm always impressed by the guys um, in the warehouse. They are really amazing people. Um, they really take pride in their work. They do an amazing job picking, um, packing orders. They know what to look for. They're checking for things. I mean, these guys, if you go out and ask them and say, you know, what color is the box for this cheese? I mean, they know this stuff instantly. Um, it, it's really quite amazing. And, you know, I joked around the other day, but, you know, these guys are amazing at building pallets and, and structurally building things so that they travel safely on trucks. Um, and we try to minimize damage and, you know, they're putting, you know, protection around the pallets so that, you know, when carriers take them and they don't have the care that we do with handling cargo that we're trying to eliminate. So things don't get, you know, crushed or damaged, or, you know, if it, you know, the guy's driving the machine and crashes into the wall, hopefully, <laughs> you know, that pallet won't sustain too much damage, you know, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I have to say, I mean, I, I, I believe in one thing in our company is that every single employee here is integral in making the company work. Um, whether you're a driver, you're in the warehouse, um, you're doing the billing, you're answering the phones, whatever somebody does here is an important part of the company. Um, and in the end, it's a full circle. We all have to do something to make it work. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I enjoy going out into the warehouse and, and working with the guys and, you know, we all know, they all know my name. I all know, they, oh, I can't even talk today. I know their name. You know, it's, it's, you know, we'll go on. Sometimes they, the new guys, they don't think I can drive a machine. And then all of a sudden they're <laughs> kind of stumped and like, holy shit, she's driving a machine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but, um, independent woman there. Like, of course. Yeah. You can do that. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, moving back to cheese land, uh, what do you see trending now at Epicure Cheese Wise? Is there anything uh, that's obvious at the moment? No, that's a great question. Um, you know, with COVID, it's really, COVID's really put a damper on the entire industry and, and really any industry. Um, you know, it's interesting because with COVID coming about, uh, the industry's kind of changed a lot. You know, everybody was about, you know, bulk cheese and cutting it at store level and, you know, and, and, and cutting it fresh in the store and, and serving it there and getting, you know, the best quality at a moment's notice. But, you know, with COVID coming upon everybody's scared and whatnot and prepack cheese really took, um, really was unbelievable how quickly it took off in terms of supplying, um, any store. And I, I, and I hate to say not just supermarkets, but it was gourmet stores too. And that was a lot of lack, to, a lot due to the lack of, you know, labor, um, especially in the first six months of COVID, it was quite scary. People were scared. Um, so I think, I, you know, it's, it's a great question. I don't know. And I was, we were, t I was talking that with Matt the other day, actually. And, um, you know, you see a lot of these new things coming out. People are looking for clean product, plant-based products, you know, um, you know, GMO, all, all these new trends that are coming out there. 
um, I think that's going to always continue. I think it's going to evolve even more and more and more. Um, you know, I don't know. It's a great question. I have no idea. You know, maybe if you asked a year ago, I probably would have had an answer for you, but I think now we're just trying to figure out how to supply great cheese, um, to those people who want great cheese and, and, you know, and, and, and I think e well, actually going on another note, but e-commerce has been huge this uh, past year. Um, and it's nice to see that it did evolve as it did, because I think a lot of consumers out there were able to get what some of the products they wanted um, via a different avenue, you know? Yeah, no, no, it opened up. I think it opened the cheese industry to grow up a little bit and, and the prepacks and to spread things out, not just from the big uh, metropolises, the big cities, um, that you can now, if someone can figure out the shipping for cheese, is <laughs> very possible. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think we're on to a new stage in the cheese industry, and um, it's going to be interesting logistics-wise, your favorite subject, um, how that continues, uh, <laughs> in, my, in my opinion at least. Um, <laughs> is there a cheese company uh, or some specialty food company related that you currently admire? Um. You know, since I started until today, it's interesting how it how how much change has come about. You know, a lot of these companies that were around for a long time are no longer here. They've all been bought and out or gone. So there's only a few independents left. And I mean, I think you literally can only count them on your hand. Um, I don't think I really admire one or any in particular, but I will say I think I admire everybody in some respects. Um, I always believe we all have our strengths and weaknesses. Some of us do some things better than others, and some of us do some things worse. Um, you know, I I believe though that change is important, and you know, with the younger people coming in there, they always have something to offer. Um, you know, to kind of get us, to, we need to constantly be evolving every year. Uh, and you know, some companies will change, and some of them are quite rigid and won't. Um, I'll kind of go back to the day. I remember a long time ago before even computers were probably the thing to do, but my father used to uh, handle inventory through a lot book and he manually would lot out orders and then you'd have to go out in the warehouse and pick them. And to get him to stop using this old fashioned method, it was the hardest thing in the world. Um, and then, you know, finally when we got, you know, trained him to use the computer, you know, then you start realizing how much easier it is. So, um, you know, I think companies that are successful are ones that are able to change and adapt. Um, ones that are not willing to change and adapt, um, struggle a little bit more and you kind of tend to see them go away, you know? So, yeah. um, I, you know, there's, there's a lot, a lot of cool companies out there. Um, and I, I think we all need to be admired in some respect. Um, and I'm not been trying to be humble, but I think we all do something well. Um, you know, and, and there's kind of this common theme where, you know, we all respect each other, but we're also all competitors too, you know? Yeah. And there's no, some great pioneers game. in this industry. Like your dad, he was one of them. Yeah, there's, um, you know, when I first started, I just remember, I felt like uh, I was watching an episodes of like Sopranos or something because, you know, they were all very intimidating. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, and, and you're listening you listen to them all talk and, and do all these things. And I was just like, you know, holy crap, you know, they're, uh, it, it's really interesting, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, I'll tell you, I learned a lot, um, from these pioneers and there's, there's many of them. There's some great, great legends out there. Um, and there still are some great legends. So I, I, it's nice to see how things have evolved. It really is. Who, who do you consider a legend in the field? Oh gosh, that's, 
Well, I'll, 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 I'll let it. I'll let it lie then. I'll, I'll, I'll get it from you later because uh, I'm yeah, curious. <laughs> this is cutting the curds. This is what I do. <laughs> um, I mean, look, if if you go through this time and and you meet so many people, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I mean, look, I, I can say, of course, my father is the number one person that impressed me. I think he's done an amazing job. Um, you know, there's only one person that I could. I have to laugh, but, uh, you know, he, he, I, I, he can fire me and hire me all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. um, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't really think there's an answer to be honest with you, Kara. Um, again, I, I think everybody has contributed something. There's some great people out there. There's some really good buyers out there. Um, and there's, you know, e- there's people who have knowledge like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I can go and stand next to a cheesemonger and I'm sure they could rip me apart in two seconds with the knowledge they might know that I don't know. And we all carry something and we all bring something to the table, you know? So, um, you know, I really can't, I, I can never put my finger on one person. There's just, there's amazing people in this industry. And I think everybody deserves to have that recognition. I really do. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, uh, I have the next future question for you, which is, uh, what do you think will happen for Epicure in the next 50 years? Cause I hope you guys have another 50 years and on and on and on. So I'm curious what's next for Epicure. Oh Christ! I think I might be in my grave in fifty years, Kara. <laughs> oh no! Well, you have to—you have to say maybe your sons or, you know, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it'd be pretty cool to see, you know, it transpire. Um, I mean, uh, my kids are kind of grown up, but they're in that phase right now where they're kind of finding themselves. So, um, you know, I got—I have some grandkids along the way. So who knows? Um, you know, I have a nephew. Uh, you never know. I have to see. I mean, not everybody. You know, people tend to want to start to do something on their own. And then all of a sudden they kind of wake up and come back and then they show some interest later. So, um, I think my goal right now is just to keep on going, um, do the best that we can do. We've, you know, we, uh, Epicure has made it through 50 years. So that's great. So, um, you know, we might go in those like 10 year increments. Those are a little safer. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So in 10 years, Um, let's say, what, what do you feel might happen? Uh, in 10 years, um, good question. I, I'd like to see our growth. We always grow in a slow, in a slow and steady growth. That's that's my motto. Um, nothing too big, um, but enough that you know keeps getting us to the next step. But I, I would, I, I'd probably say in the next ten years, I'd like to continue supplying some great supermarket chains. I want to continue bringing great products in, um, and just and do what we do well. Um, I'd love to see my marketing team continue to grow. I'd like to see our social media. Um, exposure grow, uh, that I think we're a little weak on. However, that being said, um, the ladies, and I say ladies, cause they're amazing team mm-hmm. have done amazing changes for this company in the past two years. And, and the ideas that, you know, evolve from them are unbelievable. Um, and not only that, but just even our sales team and, and anybody in this company, it's just amazing, uh, what everybody brings to the table in terms of ideas and growth. So who knows? Um, you know, uh, whether it's finding more private label items that we can support and represent, um, representing good dairies, maintaining, I'm very keen on maintaining vendor relationships. We have some vendors that we've worked with for years and years and years, and they're so important, um, in Epicure, um, and, and we're important to them too. So I, you know, it's a two way street, um, you know, just building, I just want to see the company continue to grow, um, and, and just be very successful. And be independent too, by the way. 
That's exactly because so many people don't have that anymore. Um, it's really, yeah, wow. Uh, thank you, Jen, for sharing all that. I want to thank you for coming on the show today. This was a blast. Um, I think we got to look at like the cheese industry back in time, and now we we can see what you guys are working on for the future. And uh, the fact that Epicure is truly a team effort um, really comes across here. So I want to say thank you again for coming on Cutting the Curve. This has been awesome. No, oh, thanks, Kara. I appreciate it. And um, and, and yeah, thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll see, I'll see you at the food shows, right? Um, so listeners, I just want to, if you want to find out more about Epicure Foods, uh, please take a look at their Instagram, Epicure Foods Core. So uh, foods is plural and then C-O-R-P at the end. Um, and then as usual, you know, as the usual thing goes here at the end of the show, please reach out to us directly on Instagram at Cutting the Curd. Uh, we're looking for topics and things to research. And also I just need new cheese facts occasionally. So please share them with us. Um, and otherwise, We will see you next week and eat more cheese. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.